Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the MSE Performance Podcast. This is the 10th episode of Series 2. My name is Luke, and today I'm joined by Sonia. Hi, everyone. And today we're just going to have a bit of a chat, just talking all things um, coaching, talking about what you should be tracking in terms of uh, your training, how you can then use that data and apply it and make improvements to your training um, over like the short and also long term. So it's just a bit more about like the individualization process and just helping you maximize uh, your training time. So before we get into that, what's uh, what's new with you, Sonia? Um well, well, we, if we if we talk in training, I'm going to talk about training. So training has been going really well, and I think this is really important topic to actually discuss um, because I think like yourself and myself, um, when something's not going right, like it's really important to look at the bigger picture. Um, so like first things is like, okay, what am I doing outside the training? So um, myself, I've been really good lately. Uh, I feel like I find a finally found a good structure and I think uh, this is what it takes like to feedback on your own process and you know doing those slightly changes like keeping the process quite interactive um so like overall like just positive stuff um yeah how about you how's the yeah uh, how's the back feeling back is feeling really good you're still um, managing it well you're still being smart obviously but you're able to get good training in yes um and I like I think um it's better than ever uh, in terms of like strength. Ever? I've, yeah, honestly. Ever? Wow. Because um, I think I've finally found a way how to kind of work with your low and high days. So I'm just being a bit smarter. So despite the injury, I think it was a good lesson. Cool. Um, as I think every injury is. Fantastic. So I think it did help me as a coach as well, <clears throat> seeing the other point and like how it actually feels and how much restricted you are, but how much can you actually do around it? Fantastic. Um, yeah, and I was going to say with this, um, like feedbacking, like yourself, like you had coach and like, you know, when you feel that like you possibly need to change something or you may, you, you even change coach, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, these are all things like we also kind of like go through and we understand the point of like coach being coached. And, uh, when you see that some things don't work, you just need to kind of like find what is actually the yeah. issue. Well, the benefit of being coached is is giving someone else a, a chance to make the decisions without the emotional component that comes with it, um, and not be. I think that when you're coaching yourself, we can all be guilty of being a bit too reactive to things that happen. So you have a great session, and all of a sudden, it's the best program in the world. Everything's amazing. When things don't go quite as well, like it's it's a terrible program. We need to change things up. And I think having a coach can help with that. Uh, take that emotional decision out of it and kind of just sometimes zoom out and look at the bigger picture rather than judging everything um, on a short on a, on a short term basis. But yeah, you are right. I've got a new coach. Um, it's been going really well. I think it's been um, six weeks and uh, I'm back doing like full squat and deadlift now while I was doing like variations before. My body feels great. Um, I had the best session I've had in a long time on Monday, so I'm feeling really good. Um, just had a bit of a block of um, less specific work and a, a chance just to just to give myself a, a chance just to feel 100%. And like I said, my body feels great. I'm really happy with the technique changes I've made. And um, yeah, I'm feeling really good. So I'm looking forward to, to pushing it on. So I guess on that note, we've all changed things recently, but like what are the the things that you're looking for to change in terms of mm-hmm. like training or what are you monitoring before making adjustments? Is there anything in particular that you think people absolutely should be? And then if they've got the the, the big rocks covered, is there anything else that they, they can maybe add just to, to get those last few like one percenters out of there? I think if we if if I look at it like from the perspective of okay, so here's your new plan and there's some sort of stru- structure you're gonna work with. 
I think like the first week, possibly first two weeks, you kind of find in whether it's actually like fit in within your schedule. How does it all feel like how you find in, let's say, if you have a rest day between the sessions, like are you recovering enough or if you have session back to back, is it maybe too much or even like exercise selection? Like if you possibly have like a deadlift followed by, you know, some squat variation, like are you feeling actually good for it? So just kind of feeling and monitoring, observing whether the plan kind of feels good. And I think if, if it kind of does um, and there's something wrong or you feel something's not going right, um, what I'm looking at is obviously the outside picture of like, am I actually getting enough sleep? How, <clears throat> that's probably the first one. Yeah. Like I know if my sleep is all around the place or I'm being very like, you know, normally you have a, like sort of some sort of routine, but I know if I'm like, let's say I have a bit of like staying a bit late um, at night and stuff, I know it kind of impacts my training. Or if you set yourself like today, like you didn't have good sleep, like, you know, you're not feeling yourself. And I think that kind of can impact the session, not always, but this is one thing I really look at, like, how's the sleep been? How's, how's my diet been for like, not just like one day, but like maybe in the last couple of weeks. And then also like stress levels. Hmm. If, if we're talking about like external factors, like I know that when something's going on or when I have too much in my mind, the training is always a little bit all over the place. Um, hence, I'm not really like upset about it. And I don't really blame the program itself. Yeah. I know that there's something else um, in it. So then I just like do some minor adaptations to it um, as obviously I wouldn't like just let training go. But I think like when I adapt it, like almost like auto-regulate it, it really helps. Or that's at least what works for me. Um, but then if we're talking like into training, um, changing in program, um, is this, what was your question, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are you uh, tracking? What, what do you yeah. think is the most important things to initially track? Yeah. Um, well, first things first, I think like the overall volume. So how much work you doing? And then what I personally look at is like, let's say how much of a knee dominant stuff I do, how much of concentric stuff or concentric work, um, eccentric work I do. Is it kind of balanced? Do you do enough of that? Or are you missing something out? So I make sure that like all my week has all the bits it should have. And uh, this is this is probably what I track to start with, like how much, how much work have I done? Um, volume in terms of like sets and reps so have i snatched i don't know four times a week or three times a week or did i miss a session so this is the first thing i look at mm. yes i think you what, what you're saying is you've got <clears throat> you, you you're trying to find for people a, a, a gap between the minimum effective training that they can do and the, the most that they can recover from so people call it the max recoverable volume and minimum minimum effective dose you're trying to find a sweet spot in the middle and some people are going to prefer to be near the minimum effective and other people really want to push on and there's risks and benefits to to both so i think what we're saying is that to begin with, we'll be tracking your volume and then we're also tracking your external variables as well. We'll get into the, the variables that we like to track, but you touched on sleep, you touched on nutrition, yeah. and I think they're, they're the big two. Um, I personally like to let people before a session have these like fatigue indicators and the three are sleep, uh, readiness for the session, and then desire to train. And just letting people think about how where their sleep's gone, how are they feeling for the actual session? How ready they're feeling? And, and the ready takes into account everything, like the nutrition, their sleep, um, how sore they're feeling and how like 
well they think the session is going to go beforehand and i think just thinking about these things it takes into account like the other external variables um is a good thing to think about and like you said from there you can start to to make little adjustments to your training if you need to um so i often give people a score of, of one to five and then give recommendations based off what they're scoring so if you add them all up for a maximum score of 15 if you're getting five 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 that's fantastic everything should be great session should go amazingly it won't always but it should do but if you're scoring ones and twos then then maybe it's time to make adjustments and letting people be a bit more flexible with their training mm -hmm. loads um and i think these are going to massively link into tracking your overall training volume so you can either do the tonnage which is sets times reps um or you could do just the amount of working sets which i prefer to do now i just track the overall sets so i track it both for certain movement patterns so for squats how much squatting you're doing how much single leg work you're doing mm -hmm. but also how much sessions you do in a day mm -hmm. and then you can kind of work out from here how people are recovering and then you can decide if to up the volume or, or lower the volume yeah yeah exactly you said so like you, you probably start with it first and then you know some people will adapt well some some people will find it maybe to like accumulation of too much fatigue so this is probably where you're doing those little changes afterwards so that's that's how you kind of use the data from the volume perspective or like the the exercise selection perspective but you've um, got the you've got the fitness fatigue uh model and with the fitness with the strength comes the fatigue um so when you're pushing things super hard and you're going for that maximum that you can recover from you risk pushing it a little bit above it and then fatigue creeping up higher than uh, than the fitness and then your ability to actually train comes down but then there's also the negative of if you're aiming for the minimum all the time or less than the minimum you're missing out on the actual yeah. stimulus to train so we're trying to find the sweet spot yeah. um and it's a moving top which is difficult because people think oh squats for me 10 sets a week and that's perfect but it's a moving target and it comes into effect with everything else that you've just said so you know you get people working shifts and then they'll have a week off and then all of a sudden training is amazing because mm. external stress has been reduced they're sleeping better they're able to eat when as and when they want to uh, then they go back to work and all of a sudden it drops back down and you need to take these into account um so i think like a good place to start off with is these little indicators beforehand of tracking how well you're feeling for the sessions how well recovered you're feeling and then from there like zooming out you can start to make little adjustments to the amount of training volume that you're handling i think i would say that like so people maybe have the idea that i don't know how about you but i think i kind of have like the up and downs that like it's still try trial and error so like it just doesn't go that smooth that like okay i now found the sweet spot and that's just how it is like it changes doesn't it yeah. so like sometimes because um, you just said like how would people know that like what's actually too difficult for me like can I push a little harder or am I just holding back like you gotta try but then I think it will always be a bit different because like in terms of the external factors it will always be something going on yeah. so as you said sometimes the stress like is reduced but sometimes it's a bit higher so it really depends when in your training block you you're at like whether you're like at like some sort of high intensity or you know a bit more like generic stuff like yeah. a bit more like building base uh, building and stuff so i think like i just i just wanted to say that like people should maybe think that like there's no wrong and right like it's always trial and error mm. so if something's going good good let's keep at it um see how we progress in that what we're looking for is we're looking for like a, a decent starting point because yeah. then if you miss it by 10 percent either way mm -hmm. you're still falling within what is an acceptable amount of trading mm -hmm. but if you shoot for the stars and aim for a ridiculous amount of volume and then you have to start adjusting you're massively off target so we have these general recommendations which we get from the literature so like if i start with a new client 
they average around like 10 sets per like body part if you were working on like a hypertrophy phase um so you can start with that as your starting point and then you can see like you can have your little different things that you're tracking the main one for us is obviously going to be your performance and your your output in those sessions so if you're finding you're doing 10 sets of let's say bench press a week um and you, you your numbers are trending down it's then looking at these variables mm -hmm. and saying okay you're not getting stronger on the, the lifts that you said you wanted to get stronger or it might be you want to get bigger you're not getting bigger your measurements aren't getting bigger etc um let's look at your training volume are you doing like how are you feeling and if it's every session i feel amazing like i'm feeling really fresh maybe you could handle a little bit more work if you're coming into your session, like how are you feeling for session two and you're feeling absolutely battered then maybe because you're not making the progress you might be on a risk of just doing a little bit too much work, just bringing that down just a touch and then seeing how that affects your training. So I think taking the external variables and then linking it into your, your performance outcomes and kind of gauging where you're at and then making the, the smart adjustments from there is a, is a good starting point and something that everyone should do. Mm -hmm. What do you think about like the level of enjoyment and how, how important is this factor on the training improvement? I think it's ridiculously, ridiculously important. Um, and I think it's massively under undervalued. And I think there's still people that think it doesn't matter if training is enjoyable um, as long as you're making progress, but that only lasts for so long. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, if you're going to stay consistent with a training program, you need to be enjoying it, which is one of the reasons why in like the Barbell Club, we ask people for their input into their training box. Because if I'm giving you feet up dumbbell press and you hate doing feet up dumbbell press or you hate barbell and you want to do something else, you're coming into that session, you've already got this negative mindset, you're not looking forward to doing it, you're just automatically going to take a hit from your mental perspective coming exactly. into that session, comparatively to actually enjoying it. So the enjoyment is massive, both for like, actually your mental perspective during the session, but also just your ability to, to stay consistent with a training program. I, like, I can't agree more. Like, I, I know it myself, like, as you said, like some people would say, oh, it doesn't matter as long as I'm progressing, but it only lasts a certain period of time. Like, yeah, I, I, if I'm if I'm on a fat loss program and you, I mean, there's so many ways to skin a cat. Like you, you can do so many things to lose fat. You could say go and do ten thousand steps. You could say go and do hit. You could say go and do half an hour on the bike. And if you say to me go and do half an hour on the bike, and I fucking hate going on the bike, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But if you say, look, we need to do one of these three metrics. See which one you enjoy the most. Yeah. And then that's all achieving the same things, but it's the, the consistency over time, which is going to get the results. And you've got this like hierarchy of the most important things. And actually the main one is the consistency of yeah. training. You could have the best program in the world. And if you only turn it up once or twice, instead of exactly. four times a week. You're definitely more, more likely to skip a session, find an excuse. So yeah, like I just wanted to basically say that, that like yeah. enjoyment levels are massive factor on this. I think when you're looking at like things that you absolutely should be tracking, I, I do think you should be keeping an eye on enjoyment, but the big rocks are how sore you're feeling, mm -hmm. how much volume you're doing, linking those two together, tracking your sleep and your nutrition is, is a good idea. And putting a score in it and just thinking about that is a good idea because you can start to see the trends then that occur over time. Um, so you notice, like you said, you don't know to begin with how much the sleep affects you. And there's always going to be outliers, like there'll be days where you don't deserve to do a good session. Like you think everything's off. I have, you know, I've had a sausage roll for lunch and I've slept three hours <laughs> and I've, I've PB'd my lifts. And there'll be days where you're like 10 hours yeah, sleep yeah. and it goes shit. There's only so much you can do, but like the trends occur over time and the trends will kind of, they're, they're leaving out. So the majority of the times when you're feeling good, the session yeah. will go good. So basically like, let's say if you as a coach receive your feedback from, or let's say if we're just going to be specific about barbell, like that's why they're really important for us. Like, 
I can see the numbers. I can see you hit three sessions. I can see your sets, your reps, you know, the weights. Okay. I can see that maybe it's better than last week, which is great. But then I don't really know how you feel about it and how was everything else outside. And it's really important for us like to see that point. Like, let's say if exactly as you said, like the soreness, like what if you are, what if you are just constantly sore, like being sore doesn't mean that like, oh, I'm just probably working out. I don't think you should, I don't think you should just be sore, you know, like. You're always going to be slightly sore. There's levels to it, isn't there? You're going to be yeah. slightly sore. When we, do, when, we, when we do the feedback form for Barber Club, it's a scale of one to 10. And I think an acceptable level is, is sub six. But if you're coming into every session at seven or eight, or eight seven yeah. or eight, if you're eight out of 10 sore and you're trying to do heavy squat or deadlift or, or anything, it's, it's, yeah. it's not going to A, be enjoyable. So you're going to be put off doing it. And the more you put off doing it, the worse you're going to be soreness because nothing creates soreness like novelty. So if you miss a week of training, you come back in, you're going to get sore. You're not going to enjoy training. And it's just a vicious cycle of you trying to get back into the gym every time getting sore and then quitting again. And then obviously if it's too low, it probably means that like, well, we could probably we push, could probably a, little probably push a little and more. It's, it's, it's really good to see when people start out because I'm really proud of how we're very smart with the training part when, when people come in and we, we use introduction weeks and the introduction weeks for, for a reason, like a deload is to recover from um, the fatigue that you've created in a block. An introduction week is to prepare you for the upcoming block. So the preparedness shouldn't be as big or as daunting as a normal week so if you imagine it's like a pyramid of week one week two is a little bit higher stress week three and week four are higher stress mm-hmm. you have a deload where it drops right down and then you repeat but over time it's all trending in the right trajectory um your introduction weeks to prepare you for the session so if you're doing an introduction week and then you're putting a nine out of ten for your soreness it's 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 not prepared you it, it's been a working week so i think we've we've really got a good system for the majority of people and i really like it when they put a four to five the negative to it is, is that they think they're not working hard mm-hmm. enough, especially if they're used to seeing, you know, these beasting videos online where they think this is the amount of training they should do. And I always think like a lot of people expect that to be the the model that you have to do to get stronger while, while absolutely no one trains mm. like that. I had a, with a barber just, and he was chatting about like force reps and, uh, you know, when we're telling people to work to like a six or seven RPE, mm-hmm. it's going to limit the amount of like muscle soreness. But we know that, the reps above like a nine RPE aren't really, pro- they aren't productive for creating yeah. more strength or hypertrophy. As long as you're working within like a, a six, five or six ish RPE, you're doing enough of a stimulus to get strength and hypertrophy. But still people are used to see people doing forced reps and doing like a set of eight and then their friend assisting for two or three more reps. And Pete, he, he actually said that this is the, uh, that's where the, the growth happens. And it obviously doesn't, but this is what people think. So, when we yeah. get people in and it, a lot of it's education about saying that, you know, you only put a five or six, but that is a good reason because we're looking to increase the volume. We're looking to increase the intensity over the block. We're just setting yourself up for good productive training. We're trying to minimize the amount of soreness that you're creating. So you can actually put together another good week. Great. I think like this is, this is a good summary of like those couple of bits, as we said, so like volume and external factors. And then, that's obviously all collection of some data, right? So um, before you go into the yeah. next ones, because I got one more point. Sorry, yeah. I also think like when you have like a, a weekly feedback. So I have a weekly feedback form, and it's a chance just to an- analyze the training, mm-hmm. and then you can compare it to last week's training. So like with my coach now, at the end of the week, I have a daily feedback, and then I have an on average week, and it's how good my nutrition was, how good my sleep was lifestyle factors which for me is not i think means have i got pissed that week um 
Um, and then it's like, there's other, um, and it's like, then it's a chance for me to think, it's a chance for me to look at my sessions and be like, okay, the training went really well this week and my sleep was good. My nutrition was good. And then mentally, I mean, I would deny this, but if you didn't, you'd be like, okay, there's a real correlation here between my external factors are on point and now my training is on point compared to if I have a week where it, my life, I have a, an easy life, but if I didn't have an easy life and I had like shift work, mm-hmm. et cetera, and my sleep was shit and my stress was high and I'd been out and got drunk a couple of times and my training went bad, I can then start to make these kind of links and be like, oh, I've noticed actually that when everything's a little bit lower, the outcome of my training is worse. And you need to add up then what's important in your life because there'll be times where it's important to go out and socialize and get definitely drunk. yeah and there's times where you want to push your training it's like reflection is, is important in general so if we talk in training i think you, if you're doing it daily or possibly like you know daily feedback i think that's great because like every day is different isn't it and then bigger picture and then if you collect the data you can have it monthly well this is the absolutely that's Sonia. <laughs> so we have your weekly feedback which we've just spoke about. So having a look at the week on an average, how has the week gone? How has the week left you in terms of soreness? We've got the daily that you spoke about, which is your sleep, your nutrition, based off the day, and then how the session went. I also like to track, uh, which you're starting to track a lot of things here, and it can get a little bit complicated, but but session RPE, mm-hmm. which is the um, how difficult you found the session on a scale of 1 to 10. I really like to track that because I think it's a good indicator of, of like, how much work you're doing your outcomes further down the line. If if your session RP is around a six and then it spikes to a nine, maybe something's happening mm-hmm, there that mm-hmm. we need, need to assess. But I really like tracking those. The big ones for me is your sleep, your nutrition, your training stress, the amount of sets you're doing and how hard you're finding the sessions and tracking these over time and trying to avoid any spikes in uh, fingers, in um, in in total volume or, or, or difficulty. So you've got your, you've got your weekly, you've got your daily, we're going to talk about intra-session yeah. and we're also going to talk about monthly and yearly. Yeah. So we'll talk about monthly now. I was just going to say that I like the saying, uh, what's get measured, get managed. Oh, you're horrible. <laughs> no, you it's a good one. Come on, that's Pat. That's Pat. I knew, because you, you know, your English isn't that good. So whenever you tell me something like this, I know that it's someone else that said it. Big Pat Davis. That's mean. That I'm is. joking. Uh, no, absolutely. <laughs> so like, yeah, if you're coming in and you're like, I don't know why this is going bad, like, you need some data to assess and like that's why we really encourage you to like everyone who takes their training seriously or want to progress you should be collecting your data like i really like the old school type some people do like no the books the books mate the book is the most (laughs) organic thing you could do because even the handwriting (laughs) shows you how well the session is going or how hard it is when the writing's all crap it's like yeah it's just yeah. she or he yeah, has yeah. worked really hard or they has worked really hard um there's versus if it's very it. yeah 100 i'm a massive fan of a notebook <laughs> and there's something about actually bringing your intent then in the sessions and it just shows that you're dedicated to the training mm-hmm. process you're probably taking it a little bit more serious and you can make organic notes like I, I do it on a laptop and you miss out on the organic notes you could do a set and then in that set you can write down hips rolls or yeah. this happened on the yeah. squat legs are sore you can write organic notes i'm a massive fan of a notebook Let's, we're going to come back to that one in a second. So what are you tracking on a monthly? What are you, is there anything that you like people to do? Or what do you think is a really good starting point for people when they're looking at like um, macro cycles and mesocycles? What should we be looking at? So I think like for the for like a mesocycle, um, probably ideally you have some sort of things you want to achieve through the blog or maybe there's some issues you want to work on. So if we target two or three things or possibly just one thing and you're really trying to nip it down, um, but let's say after the four week blog, like I assess like, okay, have we improved that? Like that's the main thing we've been focusing on. Um, 
so I would say that this is probably the most I focus on. So like if you have a set work, um, how did that go? How was the blog? What were the good things of the blog? And possibly did that blog like um, discovered some other issues. Yeah, because no um, blog's perfect. No but you need to get perfect. the data of what's good and what's exactly. bad, and then you can make the adjustments. The idea with training and putting together successful cycles is that over time, you should be getting more accurate with what you're doing. So mm -hmm. you might do a track, and a great example is your client, Ada, um, who said, to, she said to yourself, said to me, that we had this training block where we look into the performance testing on week four, and she actually, her best performance was week three, yeah. and then week four it tanked. Yeah. And then knowing that training data is fantastic. And if she sits down and says, well, actually, yeah, week three was amazing. Week two was good. Week four absolutely tanked. And then you start to think, well, actually, then maybe it's because we did three hard weeks and then just the fatigue was creeping too high because she was lifting weight she'd never lifted before. Exactly. Three weeks is the sweet spot on that fourth week performance is going to tank. So when you're thinking next time I've got a four-week block, I start a little bit lighter. We mm -hmm. talked about the progressions in terms of intensity and volume. We start a little bit lighter. We progressively build up. We save a little bit more in the tank. So then we know that for week four, where we're aiming for that maximum performance, we've exactly. got it. Exactly. And like you can now. use this. This is yeah. a part, thank you, pardon. This is massive for like if you're doing a weightlifting competition or a powerlifting competition. Uh, one of my clients, Amy, has got a, a competition coming up. And we've noticed that when she does like, because she's a, a big deadlifter, she's not a very... She's a good squatter, but she's not as good of a squatter. <laughs> she's crap as squatter. She's 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 a very strong she's a very strong deadlifter. She's a very strong conventional deadlifter, which creates a lot of stress mm -hmm. and a lot of fatigue. And if we do the last deadlift, the heaviest one, the week after, there's normally a bit of a performance drop. Mm -hmm. So if we do the heaviest week deadlift a week out, she gets to the competition, fatigue still stays high, doesn't lift as well at the competition as maybe we want her to. So what we do now is we take the deadlift two weeks out. The week before is an easy deadlift. So then come the competition, that little bit of a down week then allows us to then reach up a little bit higher for the final Excellent, week. Yeah. And this is the training information yeah. that when I started with, I didn't know. You didn't know. We have an educated guest, but now I know, same as you know with Vader, it push things for too hard for too long, going to have a divot and, a, and a, a down week performance. And that down week, you want to try and time it on your D loads. Mm -hmm. You don't want to time it when it's meant to be on your performance Which, testing. Again, it can change over time because obviously the stimulus was new to her. Yeah. Lifts uh, and the weights she's never done before. Yeah. So next time she does next, a training yeah. block, she won't be lifting PBs for three weeks in a row. Exactly. And that's, that's just what happens. Like you, you got to consider the level or the base you're starting with. So like if it's a novice lifter or if it's a beginner or if it's, if it's like a new stimulus training, the adaptation and the progression will be different. And so, the difference is going to be for someone like yourself that's getting stronger all the time is that when you've gone from, from uh, when you've gone, from, let's say you do, I don't know, not, not weightlifting because that's a little bit different, but let's mm -hmm. say like you're doing squat mm -hmm. and you've gone from squatting 110 to 130, all of a sudden the actual amount of training stress that you're creating is going to be a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. So for yourself, it might be the opposite that you're actually not able to train as heavy for as long because the mm -hmm. training's heavier. Mm -hmm. Even if you're working at slightly lower percentages, the amount of training stress is going to be higher because the actual number is higher. I know. Well, you say yourself, how often do you like squat close to your one RM? Well, the reason I think Europeans went bad is because I was trying to force the progress. Um, my body wasn't ready for it. And I spent too long trying to push weights that I won't probably be able to do well. And then it tanked when it got to yeah. Europeans. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a horrible learning curve. And it's the worst it place to have done a down mm -hmm. performance. But it's lessons learned about trying, yeah. to, trying to force yeah. things when they're not there. And I would have gone a lot better if I'd have used it back. And I know that now. But then now you know and you can use it. Next next yeah. words. I mean, oh, so at the... <laughs> I'm off. 
So at the end of a training block, it's a good idea to then think about what has been successful, what hasn't been successful. And then you can think about like the lift variations as well. So if you're trying to push, we keep saying squat because it's a good example. Let's say you're trying to push your squat hard. You're trying to improve your four rep max and you, you know, Sonia's giving you a, a new secondary squat exercise. It might be a high bar. It might be a pin squat. You might have done the pin squat for the first time and noticed that actually you don't feel as good. Mm-hmm. Even though your pin squat's gone up, your main squat doesn't feel as dialed in. The technique feels a little bit off. And then you make that note in your training log that pin squat doesn't seem to be a good exercise for yourself. We know next time not to give you a pin squat. Yeah. You might say, actually, it's really helped with my position in the hole. We know in future that that could yeah. be a great exercise. But to then help. again, that needs to be some time potentially to develop that skill on it. Yeah, so Big maybe don't you can't get do it for a week it straight away. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it. You, you've got to give things time to actually adjust. And I think eight weeks is a good length of time. I think you've got to give anything a block or two. Definitely, uh, yeah. one week of, 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 is not a long enough time. You need to let things start to see these trends. Yeah. But yeah, you should be analysing like how well you think the block's gone, how hard you found the block in terms of the training volume, what exercises you think have worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then write that training data down. And then you know for the next time you're writing a block, you can use that to help guide the, the next training block. So it's like squat went fantastic. I'd added in belt squat, bit of extra volume, went fantastically well. Or it could be I've added in leg press and my quads were too sore. My second session was not going as well. My overall training's down. I don't feel too good. So next time we can ease that back and change the exercise for something either less stressful or change it for like a completely different focal point. I'm just kind of like stressing up how much of a difference it makes when you, after a blog, let's say, you get a really good feedback, like overall, not just like after the blog, but like when you know that your client is feedbacking regularly, like that work, just like the interaction is just so Big easy. Time. Like it's so easy to work with people who kind of like feedback you back and it's just a circle which is kind of like going back and forth. It's funny to me because I get people that are like, oh, I'm sorry if I'm giving you too much information. It's like, no, like it might not yeah. all be applicable, but yeah. it, it, it's still great information. Yeah. And I'd much rather have that than trying to draw fucking blood from I the I really struggle with like people who are not maybe so sharp with the training, like they miss a session or two and then they really slip with the feedback as well. Like it's really tough for me to work with those people as well. Mm um i don't know like i think like as a coach you find it yourself as well that like obviously if you have the data you can work further you it's, can it's, yeah. it's a two-way street isn't it like it's not down yeah. to the coach to do everything and it's not down to the lifter to do everything there has to be a two and the more that they can input more input the more you can input if they're not filling in their training program and if they're not writing anything down and then they come to you and they ask you for your advice you've got nothing to work with so it's definitely a two-way street exactly yeah. and ultimately you can choose how much you want to track and how little you want to track and it's down to yourself of how important it is but we've got the big rocks that we spoke about and then we've got these little rocks mm-hmm. that we spoke about as well and i think covering the big rocks is is really important for everyone um because there will be a time when training is not going well and there'll be a time when training's going fantastically well and it's good to have that information and, and make these links over time i guess to finish up with then if we talk about like how uh, is, is there anything that you like to to track or make not even track but like look at like yeah. during the session like we obviously we're big fans of filming lists just to get like visual feedback. 100%. Is that something you encourage people to do? I know uh, it is because <laughs> your client, in particular Catherine Blesser, loves uh, loves the Tri- tripod. Oh. She needs to buy her own tripod. <laughs> I'm gonna get, send her a link to family. Uh, I mean, but no, it's great because no, she's weightlifting and these little details really matter. So she needs to film a list. Yeah, big time. I mean, you know, it's like you ask the client to send the like either like your top lift or something you really struggled with. 
So fair play if they film everything and then they pick, yeah. But even if it's not for you, it's for them as well, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. I, I gather she's quite, in the grand scheme, she's quite new to weightlifting. She's been doing it about a year. I think she like, you know, like you with time start to understand and like if I approach the issue, what she's doing, she kind of sees it herself. Yeah. So I think like that. If you're working on a particular, the, like let's say triple extension, exactly, she like, can film it and be like, oh, I've noticed that slow one it slightly down. early or whatever. So yeah. exactly. Speaking of videos, I'm a big fan of this because like, obviously the coaching I Im- the coaching I improves with time, like how many pe- people you Do you, you ever seen? share any training videos? Do you ever put any <laughs> training videos? I've never noticed. No. No, just, <laughs> no just really just keeping it for myself. Get <laughs> out of here. Uh, no, back to that. So as I said, like the more people you see lifting, like various people's like, you know, you've got tall lifter, short lifter. And I don't know, like how many times you've seen people snatch and, you know, like this all kind of adds up to how quickly you can actually appraise it yourself. Yeah. But then I'm still a big fan of like videos because of the slow-mo or just going back to it and like kind of trying to find what the issue is or what what, what could we do better. Every single person's got individual differences that they'll need to, to work on. So if I work with client remotely, I definitely would like to see some bits of the training to have some sort of idea. And especially if we're working on something, if it's like a technical block, uh, you know, if it's before competition, I think you often have like a one-to-one session because it just makes massive difference. Oh, like you can only pick up so much in a video. Exactly. But yeah. like, absolutely, this should be filmed as well for you. But also like you'll get one or two sets, but for themselves, like if they've got a particular thing, keep talking about squat, if they've got a particular, let's say, they're squatting, then out the hole, the hips are shooting back and you've given them a couple of cues to work on. It might be like bracing, it might be like weight distribution mm-hmm. and you're telling them to look for that in the videos and then they can watch yeah. that back. And then when they see the hips rising, they can then start to look at like, why, what did I do slightly differently? Is my bracing looking as good? Have I done this, blah, blah, blah. And it's really good to get that little feedback from because we know that when you've get the, the feed, even like during a set, if you feel like there's negative, you've done a lift not as well. And then you can you can correct it yourself from just how it feels going into the next repetition. And that's the same with the videos. If you're doing a set, let's say deadlift mm-hmm. and the bar's coming away from your legs, and you know that that's going to make it a lot slower off the floor, it's going to make it a, a less of a, a forceful position to begin with. And then you watch the video back and the bar's two inches away from your legs. We're not, okay, I need to keep that bar yeah. pulled in. And you can use that like instant feedback to then adjust the next exactly. set. Exactly, like sensation is one thing, which I think is super important. But then... Like I, I film my sets myself, you do yourself. Well, I don't have the coach with me there. And yes, I feel what I've done, but then like the video is just, it's just the best. I definitely think that the sensational fit, I mean, I think that comes with training age as well. Like you can say to, I mean, you can say to someone like, oh, what do you think you did wrong in that set? And mm. they won't have a clue. Yes. Oh, yeah. It all and feels the same. Go, yeah. And there's, there's so much variation. Uh, to be fair, I always question people with this. Like, You've got to get like, them to think. Yeah. But as you said, like training experience, like they, yeah. And I actually like an honest answer. Like I have no idea. That's fine. Then I'm here to tell you why, but obviously it kind of helps me as well because usually it kind of confirms. So videos, good shout. That means Mark, we need more tripods. More tripods, 10 tripods, please. No, Mark said enough with that, guys. (laughs) I remember when we, uh, when we were setting up MSC, the initial aim was to have TVs at the back of every uh, thing with like an instant, like a 30 second loop. So like, it would film your lift and then 30 the seconds replay. later it would be on the telly. Everyone's like, I'm just watching the list. It would have been we sick. I'll speak to him about it. It's been seven years. Now's the time. Um, but yeah, so you're tracking your, while well, you're filming, you're filming your lifts um, in between. Just you to know make that sure. now everyone will film them. 
That's great. Great. We buy you on tripod the five pound now. Like I've got a selfie stick that I use. It's great. Everyone else is like fighting over the one good tripod. Just buy one for six quid. It folds up into like a, a 15 centimeter That's stick. That's why no one uses it because you basically hide it because it's so small. There you go, mate. Put it, in your, put it in my massive bag. So yeah, we're tracking your, well, we're filming your sets to get that technical feedback. Yeah. We're also obviously tracking your RPEs just to make sure that we're not training too hard or too light. And again, RPE, the accuracy, we know that over time that comes, the accuracy comes as, as we do more training. We know it's more accurate as it gets closer to failure. So asking someone to get a six RPE can be quite difficult. But again, if you miss it by one or let's say one rep, you're still going to get the stimulus. Mm-hmm. If you're missing it by five reps, then you're in danger of either missing reps or, or, or shooting too low and missing the stimulus. So we like people to think about their RPEs after the sets as well. And then you can make adjustments then for your, for your other sets. So let's say you've got three sets of five at seven RPE you do your first set and if you don't think about it you might just do all the weights at the same weight you might have undershot not got the strength stimulus or the the hypertrophy stimulus you're after um but if you have if you have thought about it and you thought yeah okay that was too heavy I'm going to reduce it back a couple of percent or it's too light I'm going to adjust it you're going to get a little bit more out of each individual session and we know that training is about stacking together good sessions and then session sorry stacking together good weeks good blocks good months good years and then that's what ultimately gets you the results that you want so I think thinking about your RP and filming your sets are the big two that you need to be filming um, mm-hmm. during the session can't yeah can't make any more Fantastic. So that's a lot of information about what you should be tracking. And it sounds like a lot, but when you break it down, I think the big ones are mid-session, intra-session, beg your pardon, uh, be thinking about your technique, maybe filming you so you get some good technical feedback and then think about your RPE so you get in the strength stimulus. As a session on a whole, I think you should be looking at your sleep, your nutrition and letting that dictate and adjust how the session is going to go and maybe just in your numbers. For the week, you're trying to get your weekly feedback so you can link that in similar to the daily. And then at the end of a training block, you're assessing what went well, what didn't go well in terms of exercises, in terms of stimulus, how sore you are, etc. So there's a few things to think about, but if you're serious about taking the training up a notch and you really want to try and make sure that you're taking care of the, the essentials of your training, I think these are it. And, and even if you're at that novice level, these are things that you can be thinking about. And it literally takes a few minutes of your day uh, and maybe five, 10 minutes at the end of a training block. And it's going to help you improve your accuracy and it's going to help you improve your actual training over time, which is going to get you the results you want. I think it just confirms like train with intent and like think about it a little bit more, reflect um, if you, if you know, if you want to get something right or if you want to improve, you need to Big spend time. a bit more time on it. So Big time. Yeah. That's it. Ultimately, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's time in the trenches that's going to help you get better. And I think... Yeah, the more time you can de- de- dedicate to your training, ultimately the better. Everyone's got other stuff on, but like I think five minutes is not asking mm-hmm. too much, and I think that five minutes is going to get you a massive return on your 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 training. So I definitely think it's worth doing. It's things to think about. Um, cover the big rocks, and uh, yeah, we love Yeah, thanks for chatting. It was great. Thank you, everyone. As always, if you have any inputs or if you have any questions, you can find them all over either Instagram or via our email. And if you have any ideas about future podcasts, anything you'd like us to cover, please let us know. And um, until next time, we will uh, see you later.